Welcome to the Experience Darden Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. So today's episode of the podcast is particularly exciting because we introduce another host of the podcast, my admissions colleague, Whitney Kessner. Whitney will be periodically conducting interviews here on the Experience Darden Podcast uh, throughout the coming weeks, so stay tuned for more from her. And to kick things off, she recently sat down with our colleague, Larry Mueller, who is Assistant Dean for Global Advising here at the Darden School, to talk about the resources that are available to support international students here. So without further ado, here is Whitney Kessner's conversation with Larry Mueller. Welcome to the podcast, Larry. I hope you're doing well today. I'm great, Whitney. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, my pleasure. So I look forward to having a wonderful conversation with you about your time at Darden and things that you are currently working on and uh, the many things that you're excited about happening here at Darden. So uh, let's start by, you know, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about your background and what brought you to Darden. Sure. Thanks, Whitney. Uh, Whitney, I was working at uh, the Marriott Corporation up in the uh, Washington metro area and had the opportunity to open new hotels. And it was about time, as well as the uh, economics of the country were going into a bit of a dip, uh, that I looked for higher education. So I was looking at graduate MBA programs, and the Darden School was like right in the backyard. So that's what first attracted me to Darden. So um, came as a student. I came as a student. Excellent. After uh, graduating in 1993, uh, probably one of the biggest honors of my life was to have been offered um, a spot on the faculty um, upon graduation, even without yet having my Ph.D., which I later obtained. Um, I was asked to join uh, with those in the operations area. Hmm. I was teaching service ops. I was teaching uh, uh, jointly in total quality management, statistical process control, and helped to start uh, the systems thinking course here at Darden. Oh, neat. Obviously building on your time uh, at Marriott. Right. I think that's what attracted... Um, the opportunity was uh, the kind of service background that I had. Well, great. Well, I think I came to know you when you were in a different role um, as director of financial aid. So how did that transition happen? I think that transition happened under Bob Landel's leadership when he was uh, the senior associate dean for the MBA program. First, he asked if I wouldn't help shape um, a financial aid office that would operate separately from that of the admissions office. Mm-hmm. And undertaking that, uh, we made a hire. And two years later, that new hire was uh, snapped up uh, to another school in August. And I was asked to kind of rush in and uh, backfill, August being uh, the entry point for students. <laughs> yeah. Not a busy time whatsoever. No. After completing one year there, I indicated that I wanted them to conduct a national search uh, because I certainly only wanted to be in the position if I was best suited. Um, and I I was asked to retain that position. So director of financial aid and teaching kind of in some ops courses at the same time. Fantastic. And then financial aid led to uh, a wonderful stint with our GIMBA format. That's right. Uh, I was invited into uh, the Global MBA. Mm-hmm. Um, our Global MBA, or Global Executive MBA, was designed at that point to um, have residencies majoritively in international locations. So 16-day residencies every three months for each class. 
And so I was traveling quite a bit as kind of the operations dean for the Global Executive MBA program. Fantastic. Did that for about seven years and graduated five fantastic Gemba classes. Yes. And then now tell me about your current role here. So for the past two years and three months, Mm -hmm. um, I have been uh, the assistant dean for global advising. Basically, I like to call it kind of a dean for international students. Mm -hmm. Um, Majoritively, our international students are residential students and not in our executive population, although I still try and look out for the interests of our executive MBA students who are internationals. Um, So I look at uh, my responsibility as everything from their consideration of the school during times of uh, admissions period, um, I especially begin to kind of reinforce once they've committed and paid their deposit mm-hmm. um, with a visit yes. um, in many major cities to kind of collect and provide information to those international students, and then eagerly welcoming them at the beginning of August uh, with an international student orientation uh, co-led with my colleagues um, in uh, OSA, and that's uh, Zakia Pierre, as well as in CDC, and that's uh, Denise Caroli. So yeah. as a team of three, we really try and bring every element to which they're going to be exposed in the Darden School across two years into close focus for about four days to get everybody prepped. Yeah, for that international student orientation, just a, a great way for them to kick off the beginning of this journey. Um, and it's I- a- yeah. yeah, it's a great way to make friends amongst yeah. the international students, as well as a chance to get to meet a lot of different faculty members and administrators at a time when the school is not yet at its high pulse bustle. Yeah, exactly. I, I really have so much respect for our students that are coming. Uh, many of them, many of our international students may have never lived or, or worked in the United States. So what a big transition it is for them to pick up their life wherever that may be and uh, move to a new place. Uh, and obviously, um, with great opportunities with the, the business education ahead of them and, and career opportunities, but also a, a great chance to make these new friends and to uh, experience new cultures. So uh, definitely uh, exciting and, and so wonderful that that international student orientation is, is that first touch point when they begin the program. Yeah. I mean, I look at Darden trying to provide kind of a um, start with small steps. Yeah. And that's why through the materials we're able to provide, the letters, the videos we're able to provide over the summer, Mm -hmm. some of which come as a part of uh, the blog, Mm -hmm. others of which come by going through the admitted student website Mm -hmm. and allowing them to kind of explore the elements under career or some of the elements specifically under international students. Each of these is designed to warm people up to the differences they're going to experience through this kind of U.S.-centric Darden education. Now, I'd say U.S.-centric because recruiting really is U.S.-centric. When you're recruiting on grounds, a lot of these firms are multinational firms and have international operations. But those who are doing the recruiting, those are people based here in the United States. Mm -hmm. So it's really about how do we help international students get comfortable Mm -hmm. with what recruiting is going to be like with what the classroom's going to be like, and with what it's going to be like to associate with kind of one-third international students who all come from many different countries, 
and then a kind of two-thirds population that are spread throughout the United States, mm. each with their own nuances as well. Certainly. Well, why don't we uh, why don't we talk maybe break that apart a little bit? Let's talk a little bit about the academic experience. You've taught in the well, you've been a student, you've taught in the classroom, so you know what the learning environment is like here at Darden. You understand the case method of instruction. For many of our listeners who might not have had a chance to sit in class um, or to experience that firsthand, can you share in your own words, um, you know, what the case method of learning uh, means to you, and particularly for our international students, um, some things that maybe um, can help them further learn about what this learning environment is all about. Great. Thanks. I I think that the case study, to me, it was very attractive part of Darden. Um, It's the same case study method now as it has been in the past, and I believe will continue in the future. It's unique. Um, only a very, very few students use kind of all case study. Mm. The case study's purpose, I believe, is to provide to you an abundance of information that you need to be able to kind of sift through. It's a bit of a detective story. Mm. If I can give you an indication by using accounting, which is something many people will say, how could accounting be taught in case method? Right. When you're coming to business school, your goal is not to come out and be the accountant mm. in the business, but to be able to review the accounting statements and understand what's accurate and what looks to be mm, maybe not quite so authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're reviewing somebody, another company's statements, in order to be able to make a bid on that company, if you're planning on doing an acquisition, you want to be able to understand how they may have massaged the numbers. Mm. But in legality and ethics, everything has a special way to be handled. So an ethics issue in accounting is something that perhaps you dig down into the case and find as a means of the footnotes. So as I say in a mystery story, your goal is to be able to read the textual information, understand the characters who are providing the information, read the details and the footnotes, and be able to say, hmm, looks to me like they've had a much greater financial situation last year than in the previous years. But I see a notation that indicates that they made a swap, a one-time swap in their accounting method Hmm. to go from LIFO to FIFO, right, which gave them a bump up lowering cost of goods sold, and showing a greater profitability in that one year. And that's all part of the mystery of kind of digging through it in a case method. Right. So you need to understand LIFO and FIFO, but it's then very quickly, what do you do with that information? As you said, sort of, what do you do with that analysis to make a decision for that organization? So I think what you're trying to do is you're being able to now make decisions about Is the information that is conveyed kind of historically true, or is it something that may have been done one time, which is perhaps inflating the value? Mm -hmm. So as somebody who might be making a decision about acquiring this company, I may just simply say to them, you know, I do see a one-year bump, but I also see that there may be some accounting methods and changes that may be accounting for that change. Mm -hmm. And I believe that my multiplier effect may use an average of the previous three years Mm. of history historical revenue. 
So I like how you talked about a, a mystery. So how do you uncover a mystery um, through these cases with 65 of your peers in a classroom? Yeah. So the, the great value of a classroom experience is that you have 65 different sets of thinking mm-hmm. right, that are approaching this. You get a, a different set of ideas from every person who speaks up. So the importance of speaking up is that you have a different background, a different set of experiences that allow you to perhaps pinpoint some ideas or some thoughts that other people in the class wouldn't have thought of. Mm -hmm. So the enriching piece is that the faculty member is perfect at guiding conversations Mm -hmm. to make sure that each different kind of thread is pulled in a way that it begins to kind of knit this whole cloth. Right. And in the idea that we have a great diversity in the classroom, both globally as as well as kind of uh, multiculturally, Mm -hmm. this ensures that people who come from different historic backgrounds and have perhaps a different perspective on the conduct of business or a different perspective on uh, what a marketplace might be Mm -hmm. is um, kind of uncovered. So that we don't kind of leave any stone unturned. Yeah. Well, building off of that, um, we have great diversity amongst our student body. And so everybody has a perspective. Um, For our prospective international students, um, can you build a little bit further about the the viewpoint, the experiences um, that they will bring and how we really value that in the classroom and outside of the classroom? Yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, students that come from uh, a kind of an international background, having spent most or all of their time in an international location, are going to bring with them a different perspective on issues of labor mm-hmm. and labor issues, government issues, and how those differ from one another. Because as a global school, we're not just talking about conducting business in the United States. We're talking about being able to conduct business globally. What we have a limit on for those who've lived and only worked in the United States is we don't know any other governmental regulation than that which we have here. We don't understand any differences in how labor issues might be handled elsewhere. Mm -hmm. We don't understand how marketing may or may not um, kind of be received in different countries. These perspectives are critically important. Mm -hmm. And we would have no way of capturing it without having them in the actual classroom. Certainly. Well said. Um, All right, let's get into uh, a little bit more around that career piece um, and some resources that uh, we encourage students to take advantage of and and maybe a little bit, you know, before they begin at Darden, but then also um, can you speak to, I know this is a little bit outside of your scope, but sort of uh, for students once they are here and, and going through that career search process. Surely. Thanks, Winnie. Um, so to, to kind of start, once a student has kind of committed to coming to Darden and paid their deposit, the Career Development Center has a program called CDY, mm-hmm. which through a series of kind of video vignettes and a series of kind of work processes takes people through the kind of Darden methodology for making sure you're creating the right resume that's going to be valued by all of the prospective employers. Mm -hmm. It helps guide the 
development of a personal story. Right. right. And it also helps guide your ability to begin to network. Mm-hmm. Networking is something that I have understood from uh, my wonderful collection of international students is not a commonplace element in many international locations. Mm-hmm. But networking is kind of the requirement to socially talk and get familiar with one another between recruiter and prospective student. Sometimes it's a one-on-one coffee chat. Mm-hmm. Many times, though, it's a gathering of four or five students around a single recruiter. And it's casual conversation where the recruiter in the back of their mind might simply ask, oh, how, how easy was it to converse with these students? Mm-hmm. Did they feel like they had something to contribute? Mm-hmm. Um, are they willing to kind of speak up? Those were all might be things that they're kind of thinking about on the back of their mind. So we want to kind of ask all of our international students who are on their way here to begin thinking about those pieces to the puzzle And then once they've arrived here, part of international student orientation, part of a lot of the activities that we do in the month of September are all designed to get everybody up to speed. Mm -hmm. So we have practice networking sessions and we have a lot of special clinics. As a matter of fact, for every student, we have something called the Academy, which happens on Tuesdays as our last class on a Tuesday morning. And it's focused on career elements. Mm-hmm. Then we do some special programming every week. Denise Caroli, my colleague, she puts something special together for international students every week to help reinforce or to help create a better understanding of some dynamic that is a part of our career services. Fantastic. So comprehensive. Um, so one of the things that we also um, – we're offering, we've offered in the past, but um, amplified the opportunity this year was um, on more on the, the English language um, preparation, um, because I think that certainly uh, communication is going to be very important in the networking process, the recruiting process, but also in the classroom as our students are discussing these cases amongst themselves facilitated by that faculty member. So can you share a little bit more about this program that we've offered? Yeah. Yes. I mean, something that we just started in uh, the summer of 2019 and May of 2019 is a new partnership, um, and it's called Bespeak Darden. We call it Bespeak Darden specifically because the materials that are used for Bespeak Darden are undergirded Darden materials. So Mm -hmm. we use the elements of CDY, the things that our international students will be preparing they'll actually be using in their one-on-one Zoom contact hours. Mm -hmm. So Bespeak is designed for English as a second language students for whom they have not had um, their education fully in English or they haven't been in an environment where all work is conducted in English Mm -hmm. or they haven't been in an environment where business is traditionally conducted in English. So for the Darden School, that makes up about 50% of our international students. So the Bespeak program we've designed is 31-hour sessions with um, an ESL-style professor. So they might be from drama, and thus they might be giving tips on public speaking right. and being coming so more cool. proficient in that and the accent. Or they may be business persons who are going to help the international student better understand some of the business language nuances and how to be a little more colloquial in their use of business language speaking. 
We have people that help on accents and making sure that the accent may be softened a little bit so that they are more easily understood both in the classroom and by the recruiter. Mm. So all of these things are kind of taken into account as our colleagues at B-Speak do a quick initial analysis and then make the decisions about how to plan those 31-hour sessions. Um, Ultimately, what we look at is, as you said, um, English language enhancement. Right. Um, the goal is to make uh, our international students more comfortable in the classroom and much more comfortable in their con- conversational ability with recruiters. I know we were very pleased with the feedback we've received from the students who participated this last year. Uh, I really appreciate the level of customization that our Bespeak colleagues can offer as they are creating that content, uh, but also really uh, working hard to meet the need of those individual students and, and their specific um, uh, you know, specific needs you know, based on the, that ongoing assessment. So pretty phenomenal. One of the things, Whitney, I think that helps with that is that our international students, I think from the very start, we encourage them to provide us feedback. Right. We make a lot of change and customizations based upon feedback people are willing to share. And one of the things we say amongst our international students all the time is we want to know. Just tell us the truth. Right. Um, I have a listening post every week mm-hmm. with different sections of international students. Um, we have five sections uh, in the first year. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of five weeks. And then I have the same sections are kind of represented through the second year, although the students don't kind of aren't taught in those same sections. Right. They still will come together and provide kind of a listening post for me. Mm-hmm. So I get an opportunity to listen to these section international students twice in a year and different spots along the way Mm -hmm. so that I can get feedback as how things are going. But our B-Speak colleagues and our faculty members are equally eager to hear good feedback right away about what kinds of things could be changed and how we might improve the situation. Fantastic. No, I think that's uh, it's something we try to incorporate at Darden, you know, that feedback loop and how can we improve upon this experience. But I think you certainly uh, have such a commitment to hosting these weekly listening posts and hearing, you know, listening, <laughs> um, gathering that feedback and then figuring out how we can implement change. So uh, definitely a very much value your commitment and your um, really championing the uh, the experience for our international students. So you've lived you've lived in Charlottesville for a little bit of time. Um, for those who maybe are not as familiar with our city, can you share some of the things, the highlights uh, about Charlottesville, and any things on your must do list? Surely. So I guess the first thing I want to share is just how close we are to Washington, D.C. I mean, some people just don't realize that it literally is a two-hour drive. Right. Um, uh, You know, it's a 20-minute flight because sometimes we make that hop when we arrive in D.C. via plane and we just make that extra hop into Charlottesville. Right. Um, But it's just a two-hour drive. And so... Um, I love to go up to D.C. We have uh, a campus uh, up in uh, the D.C. area, which sits right overlooking the Potomac River, right overlooking some of the monuments. And that's fantastic to have Darden have a presence up there. That Even our residential students get to go up and kind of take advantage of that on certain opportunities. Um, That being kept in mind, here in Charlottesville, what you get is you get to be kind of tucked into the mountains. Mm -hmm. And you have this opportunity for... 
hiking as a means of just kind of taking a break. So you're a 20-minute drive for some nice hiking as you hike up from our kind of uh, eastern side of the mountains. Mm -hmm. If you drove just 30 minutes, you'd be literally on the crest of the Blue Ridge Parkway mm -hmm. and have the opportunity to, to hike into vistas or down into waterfalls. Mm -hmm. So these are great opportunities that are kind of um, local explorations as well as good exercise. Mm -hmm. um, something that my uh, international student friends talk about is taking a trip out to Carter's Mountain. Yeah. Carter's Mountain is just a 15-minute drive and an opportunity to go up into the apple orchards mm -hmm. or peach orchards during the spring, but apple orchards during the fall. So the students are already talking about going up into the apple orchards, picking kind of their fill of apples, enjoying kind of the hay rides, the things that, you know, you just might not Eating find. Eating apple cider donuts. Yeah, yeah. Apple cider donuts, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but these are things that you might not find in some of the big cities. These kinds of things aren't available. So to be close to the big city and kind of right. have these elements. The downtown mall, uh, just a you know 10-minute drive away, is a great opportunity. Um, they've got uh, live jazz on mm -hmm. uh, several nights a week in some of the restaurants, a great restaurant scene, movie theaters. Um, we have a fabulous outdoor pavilion that mm -hmm. has live music on a regular basis. Yeah. When international students arrive here in the month of August and early September, every Friday night after 5 p.m. is kind of an open-air concert available for free to everybody yeah. with food vendors and things like that. For those who like to make sure they're getting kind of fresh farm-to-market kind of food, um, we have uh, an open marketplace on Saturday mornings that allows people to kind of shop from all the farmers directly. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite things to do. Families love it. So I initially thought you'd begin with food because you are uh, somewhat of a um, well-acclaimed chef yourself. So do we have a good food scene here? You mentioned some of the restaurants on the downtown mall, but what's the food scene in Charlottesville? I think the here's the thing. Um, Food is unique in Charlottesville. Yeah. I believe this is true. Uh, we have more grocery stores per capita than any other city in the United States. I believe that. Now, this, in, con in contrast to the fact we also have the third largest number of restaurants per capita of any place yeah. in the United States. My, my curiosity is, how can we all be buying our food and cooking at home and eating out all at the same time? I know. Um, Whitney, um, uh, although I am not, most everybody in Charlottesville is pretty trim. Extra <laughs> uh, and, uh, as are you, Whitney. And, and exercise <laughs> is kind of de rigueur. Yeah. And I think this allows people to enjoy yes. both cooking and eating. Yes. And I'll tell you what, I think our students, because the food expenses here in Charlottesville are definitely not big city prices. Right. You can find that in a few of our higher, very exclusive restaurants, and sure. they are fine eating establishments. Right. But in most of our traditional restaurants, and certainly in most of our grocery stores, cooking and eating is a very affordable thing to do with friends. Certainly. And something together. that our Darden students love to do. 
For those who have a curiosity about、uh, wine or craft beers, oh yes, there you, is that. You couldn't possibly have more wineries located <laughs> in any one small area. <laughs> you, yeah,、um, we're going to be top per capita we, on that we, list. We could, and I think、uh, people enjoy whether they enjoy drinking or not. Just a trip out to the wineries yeah, to see、beautiful. the the grape growing and to see the process by which wine is made.、Right. Be able to do that in your backyard is a great opportunity. Craft beers here,、yep. um, and even craft spirits are, are all being prepared. It is a, a real mecca for kind of do-it-yourself, create-your-own opportunity、yeah. in Charlottesville. We haven't touched on、uh, our parent institution, the University of Virginia, but.、Uh, A, a university that you know very well. Can you share just、uh, some of the highlights of UVA? Absolutely. So, nothing could be closer to my heart than the University of Virginia as a whole.、Um, I have、uh, my PhD from the University of Virginia,、mm-hmm. and I would say that、um, as a historic location. We're proud to be a UNESCO World Heritage Site, so a university that is a UNESCO World Heritage Site.、Mm-hmm. Each of the buildings on the lawn are, under themselves, an architectural wonder.、Mm. They were designed by Jefferson to each showcase different elements of architecture, mostly Greco-Roman architecture, some French architecture.、Um, the rotunda itself. Was built as a temple of knowledge, and today has been restored to a useful place for both classes and student studies.、Mm-hmm. The students are allowed to study up in the rotunda until 10 p.m. at night, just by use of their IDs. Oh, great!、Um, although I wouldn't say I see a lot of Darden students in the evenings over on main grounds. Certainly, there are a lot of special festivals or special opportunities、mm-hmm. for which everybody might gather together. One of those that I might discuss is called lighting of the lawn.、Mm-hmm. This is an opportunity where all the different singing groups at the university each take a turn singing a song, while everybody else kind of gathers on the lawn, drinking hot cider and hot cocoa, maybe some hot coffee, enjoying cookies, and enjoying kind of the winter season,、mm-hmm. all surrounded by this architectural beauty that was originally created、um, in 1817. So, what is your favorite singing group at the University of Virginia? Whitney, I'm not sure you're allowed to ask that question, <laughs> but I will take the opportunity. So, Whitney, my favorite is the Virginia Gentleman. Yes, I have been the faculty advisor to the Virginia Gentleman for 27 years. That's amazing. And for any international listeners,、um, it is great to know that of the 90 countries that I have visited. Eighty-five of them I visited first as a result of escorting and, and helping provide opportunities for the Virginia gentlemen to travel the world. Eighty-five. First off, that you visited ninety is phenomenal, but eighty-five through the Virginia gentlemen. That's right. Eighty-five through the、uh, first through the Virginia gentlemen. Right. 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 So they're well traveled,、uh, all seven continents. So、yeah. yes, they performed for the scientists down in、uh, Antarctica. Yeah. <laughs> Palmer Station. <laughs> wow! So、um, it's an incredible organization, and I do、uh, for my international students put out a little note letting them know when those acapella concerts are, just because acapella is such a uniquely American institution. Yes. Although I think、uh, because of the movies of Pitch Perfect and things like that, it's becoming a better known entity、yeah. around the world. 
Wow. Uh, you've brought them over to Darden several times over the years and always enjoy uh, the charm and obviously the amazing uh, singing that those gentlemen uh, perform. So, Thanks, Annie. Well, if we can end on a note of maybe some advice or, or one or two things that you would really like our, our prospective students to know and, and in particular, our, our international students. Is there anything you'd like to leave leave them with? Yeah, I think some of the most important things are to recognize that Darden is truly a community. Mm. We're very welcoming in that we are excited about people coming here who have a different perspective, who bring forth a fresh set of ideas, who bring forth their own culture and cuisine, We have so many exciting festivals here at Darden, our global food festival where every international country is represented preparing its own food with celebrations of song and dance, with uh, the number of international clubs that we have that represent different regions of the world and at the same time draw in all students to help them better understand both that culture and to celebrate holidays together. I mean, when we get to celebrate, uh, you know, Chinese New Year, which coincides with many East Asian New Year celebrations, Mm -hmm. it's something we all do together. This Sunday, we're about ready to celebrate Diwali um, here at the school with kind of a, a wonderful lighting celebration done by the dean, as well as all of us doing kind of the floor coloring, mm. um, uh, the songs, the dances. So I think recognizing that we, not, we don't just desire our international friends joining us for the business perspective they may bring, mm-hmm. but also the cultural infusion that they offer, the, the spirit of their home that they can share with us, the love and kindness that we can share. Um, It takes time to build all this together. Mm -hmm. So it's about making a commitment. But I want to say that the school as a whole, we are so committed to international students joining us. Um, It's probably what brings me the great joy every day is the new opportunities to find out what else we can do. Thank you, Larry. I have so enjoyed this conversation and just uh, very much treasure you and what you do for Darden. uh, And and you are such a big part of this community. So thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing more about your background and uh, what you love so much about Darden and UVA and Charlottesville. Well, thank you, Whitney. It's it's certainly a joint effort. I mean, this opportunity at Darden uh, for me is only made special by all the wonderful people um, that I've gotten to know and gotten to share time with over the time. And I appreciate you inviting me, especially Whitney, to to kind of share this and appreciate all the time you take to make sure um, that you know we're we're working on behalf of all the students. Thanks, Whitney. Thank you, Larry. And that was my admissions colleague, Whitney Kessner, and the newest host of the Experience Darden podcast, interviewing Assistant Dean for Global Advising here at the Darden School, Larry Mueller. So as always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at Darden, that's D-A-R-D-E-N, at virginia.edu. And until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.